Well, welcome to Grace this weekend, and uh, we are kicking off a brand new series. I'm very excited about this, and uh, my name's Ryan. If we haven't met yet, I'm one of the pastors here on staff, and uh, one of the reasons I'm so fired up about this series is for the first time, uh, we're going to have all of the campuses of Grace Church aligned, and we're all going to do this series together. And uh, if you've been coming to Grace for a little while, you may or may not realize that the service that you're sitting in is actually one of 12 different services that happen all at Grace Church at five different locations over four campuses. And so what we say about Grace Church is that we are a movement of churches. We, we never really sought out to just be a local church. We always wanted to be a grouping of churches and to see local churches multiply to kind of bring the gospel to bear in different communities. And how that works here at Grace is all of our campuses would have their own teaching pastor and that pastor would lead their campus. They would communicate each week. And so often those campus pastors would be leading their own series. And we said, we, we want to, during this series, all kind of sync up and bring our firepower to bear during this time. And that's one of the questions that comes up a lot as we talk about kind of how we do church, uh, both of folks that come to Grace and kind of from churches all over the U.S. And what we tend to say is this, that the reason that Grace Church stays together, that's the question that pops up all the time. Why do you guys stay together? It's almost like your, your own bunch of churches. Why do you stay together as a movement? And here's our answer. Now, one of the things that we see is this, that, that when Grace Church aligns kind of our resources and our efforts and our firepower to bring the gospel into a powerful way, into a new community, or bring it to bear on a project, man, that we can do way more together than we could ever do on our own. And so an example of that actually played out last week. You may, not, may or may not know this, that the Barberton campus had its soft launch last weekend. So excited about that. Pastor Jeff Martell is kicking that off. And we actually had people from all three of our established campuses. So that would be Bath here. That's where you are right now. Medina and also our Norton campus each had people. So Norton took the lead on that. They had 86 adults go and say, hey, we want to be part of the Barberton launch. And so they went in to help start that, that uh, new campus. We also had 33 folks that would normally be sitting with you said, hey, we'll leave. We'll step out of these seats and go down to Barberton and we'll help to get that started. And actually Medina, which just launched two years ago, had three people say, even though we just started this thing, we want to start another one. So excited about that. They just launched it off uh, last weekend, and we see there an example of what happens when the campuses of Grace Church work together to bring the gospel to bear in a new community on a special project to really see something move. We saw this happen two years ago when we launched the Medina campus. Here at Bath, we looked at Pastor Tony and Jessica and said, would you guys lead this work? Would you go to Medina? And a handful of folks, a chunk of folks went from the, Medina, or from the Bath campus into Medina. And now two years later, there's over 600 people at that campus, many of whom are hearing the gospel for the first time. They're actually opening their brand new building today. And that is uh, very exciting to see what God is doing there. And so we see what happens when, when grace works together on these projects. And our ultimate dream is that we would be a movement and we would see 30 campuses in 30 years that each community that around us here in the Northeast Ohio area would have a representation of the gospel, right? where, where hope is hard to find that we could have a local church that could bring the message of Jesus there. That would be what we would love to see happen. So that's kind of what we do and what we operate. And what we said is this, what if we, for the sake of this series, had this crazy idea, what if we all aligned the campuses of Grace Church 
And what if we got a hold of our stories? What if the 8,000 people that call Grace Church home kind of took a fresh look at the stories, that the work that God has done in our hearts and our lives? What if we looked at that again, refreshed that, and then not just got a hold of it for ourselves, but what if we communicated that to the people and the friends and the networks around us? So what could God do through an effort like that? Can you imagine if we began to communicate kind of the work of God in our lives to the people around us kind of all at the same time? And so all the campus pastors and leaders all said, hey, we are on board. And so what we wanted to do over the course of the series is do some creative things. So over the next handful of weeks, you're going to meet some of the other campus pastors. Uh, Pastor Dan Gregory is going to be here from Norton. Pastor Tony, who some of you would know, who used to communicate here at the Bath Campus regularly, he will be back. And Pastor Jeff and I will be rotating through uh, those campuses as well. So you kind of get to interact with the other faces and voices of Grace Church. And today also, we wanted to have a little bit of a unique and creative format. We wanted this series to get kicked off kind of with one united voice. Pastor Jeff is our senior pastor, and so we asked him to communicate via a teaching message, via video, and actually all of the campuses of Grace are going to be watching this video teaching we're going to watch here in a moment, and Pastor Jeff's going to be unpacking for us what, what is God doing with building a story in us? Is there a unique and kind of a special message that God is building in us. He's going to be unpacking that for us. We'll talk a little bit more after his video session is done, talk about some next steps from there. Why don't we tune in now here, Pastor Jeff, via video. So when we start thinking about this idea of My Life Changed When series, I want to to talk for a few minutes about the power of our God-given story. And this is something that we don't think about all the time, Uh, But I think it's this amazing gift that God gives us, that he gives us an individualized story that's unique to you and unique to me, and he gives that to us so that uh, we can relate to people, so that we can uh, communicate the truth of the gospel in kind of nuanced ways, and so that even you and I can be assured that uh, Christ has been active and and, uh, pursuing us through, through our lives. So when you look at the Bible, there's this interesting pattern in the Bible of God doing this. Uh, You kind of see story after story after story. In a lot of ways, uh, the Bible is full of biographies, right? So the Old Testament will tell stories of people, and then it happens in the New Testament, the second part of the Bible as well, where there's there's, uh, an accounting of someone's life, and then Oftentimes in this process, you'll see at kind of the end of their story that they will do the math that God took them on this path and God brought them through this process so that they could do something that God created them uniquely to do. So there's a, there's a bunch of these instances in the Bible. I'll just show you a, a few of them. So for instance, in the Bible, there's a man named Joseph in the, in the first part of the Bible, the Old Testament. Maybe you know his story really well. Maybe you don't know his story, but I'll I'll recap it for us real quick. So Joseph was a guy who grew up in a very dysfunctional home. Uh, He was a uh, born into a blended family, and uh, he was raised with stepbrothers. His stepbrothers hated him passionately, and he was the favorite son of their father and his father. So huge sibling rivalry issues. Huge interpersonal issues. Dysfunction Junction was kind of Joseph's home. 
when Joseph was a teenager, his stepbrothers hated him so much that one, one day they came up with this plan to fake his death and sell him into slavery to the nation of Egypt, right? So you think your sister's crazy, right? This, this is family crazy at its worst. They pull off this plan. They go back. They tell their dad, Joseph's dad, that he was killed by a wild animal. Joseph is sent into slavery. He's sold as a slave into Egypt. He's serving there as a slave. While there, he's falsely accused by his slave owner's wife of something He's put in jail as an innocent man. Long series of events. Joseph has, the the Pharaoh of Egypt has a dream. God gives Joseph the ability to interpret it. He comes out of jail. He winds up being the second most powerful man in all of Egypt, right? So he's vice Pharaoh. His brothers come to him because they need food. There's a famine and Egypt had food and the rest of the region didn't. They come to him for food. They don't recognize him. Joseph is at this moment of his life, second most powerful man in the world. He could have executed them. He could have tortured them. He could have destroyed their lives. Instead, long story short, he forgives them, restores them into relationship with him, gets reconnected with his dad, moves the whole family to Egypt so they have plenty to eat and uh, and a comfortable way of life. And in the end of Joseph's story, in Genesis chapter 50, verse 20, he says this, it's fascinating. He says, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for the good to accomplish what is now being done. When Joseph looked at his life and Joseph looked at his story, he realized that that God had woven this together and God had given him something. He had given him a gift in which he was uniquely able to express the heart and the mind of God to his brothers and then to everyone watching around him. He was uniquely able to lead on behalf of the Lord. He was uniquely able to relate to people's pain on behalf of the Lord. He was uniquely able to demonstrate the forgiving, graceful, compassionate heart of God to his brothers. And he did all the math. He looked at his brothers and he said, "You, you had no idea what you were doing But God knew the whole time. God gave me a story. He gave me a life journey. And he gave that to me so that I could do the good that God intended for me to do. There's a guy uh, in the New Testament. This this pattern is all through the Bible. But there's a guy in the New Testament. uh, We call him the Apostle Paul. And the Apostle Paul started off as a guy who hated Christians and hated Jesus. In fact, his job, literally his job, was to go kill Christians, right? And so that's what he was doing. He was persecuting the church. He was killing Christians. Jesus shows up in this supernatural way on a road called the, uh, the road to Damascus. He interacts with Paul in the supernatural way. Paul begins to believe in Christ. He begins to accept kind of fully who Jesus is, his love for him. And then he becomes one of the great apostles or one of the great promoters of who Jesus is and his gospel and his message. So all through the book of Acts in the New Testament, you see the apostle Paul explaining to people of the Jewish, Jewish heritage, which was Paul's heritage as well, what God had done in his life. 
he was explaining his story about how he was uniquely prepared, he was uniquely trained, he, uh, he uniquely adopted their culture. And then he would tell the story of how he was converted on the Damascus Road and how God had uniquely worked in his life from there. So from the time of his conversion forward, Paul taught about Jesus and that caused him to be persecuted. People wanted to kill him. He wound up being shipwrecked on an island and some amazing things happened there. He wound up being put into jail and some amazing things happened there. And Paul wound up using another part of his story, which is that he, is, he was a Roman citizen. He used that to be able to share the story and the love of Jesus up into the highest echelons of Roman power. You get to the book of, uh, of Acts chapter 26, and Paul is standing before uh, this man named King Agrippa, who's a Roman ruler. And you'll, if you read the chapter, I encourage you to do that, read the chapter, you'll hear him go back and he'll recount his whole story. He kind of goes from childhood all the way to the present moment. And Paul in that moment recognized that God had given him a story, a story that was uniquely his, a story that allowed him to uniquely be able to interact with the Jew and the Gentile, to relate to the, the guy in jail and the jailer who put him there. And he saw all of that as a gift. He looked and, and said, God, you've given this to me, you've entrusted it to me, and I'm going to use it to proclaim your name and to help people know about your love and hope and salvation. Uh, there's another guy in the Bible, Jesus interacted with this guy in uh, John chapter 9. And in John chapter 9, uh, Jesus and his disciples are walking through this uh, one part of town, and they come across what the Bible calls a man born blind. And his disciples say, um, uh, why is this man blind? Did his parents sin or did he sin? Why is he being punished by not having any eyesight? And Jesus says to his disciples, neither. He was born blind for the glory of God. So Jesus reaches out, heals this fellow, right, from being blind. Now he can see. The Jewish leadership gets all honked off at Jesus about it because they're looking for a reason to arrest him and kind of put him, uh, quiet his message. They bring the man's parents in front of them and demand an answer. His parents basically disowned him. And then they bring the man himself before Jesus, or, or before the, the Jewish officials, and say, what happened? Tell us the story of what's going on. In fact, it's fascinating. If you got your Bible, flip over to John chapter 9 real quick. I love this guy's answer. It's one of the best answers in the whole Bible. The man is drugged before kind of this religious court. And he says in John chapter 9, look down at verse 24, it says a second time they summons the man who was blind, give glory to God by telling the truth, they said, we know this man, Jesus, is a sinner. And the man born blind says this in verse 25, look at it, he says, he replied, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know, one thing I do know, I was blind and now I see. And then they ask him, what did he do? How did he open your eyes? And then he goes on and he tells the story of what happened. This man born blind looked and, and very quickly he did some math. And he, he looked back at this religious court and said, listen, I don't know the deal, but here's my story. I've been blind since birth. 
And I've been sitting out there begging at the temple gate since birth. And this fellow walked across me. He reached out. He healed me. And I can see. And that's my story. And it's hilarious when it goes on. They say, well, tell us what happened. And the man born blind looked at them and said, why? Do you want to believe in him too? Right? Here's my story. Isn't that amazing? Do you want God to work in your life this way as well? And this pattern, we could go on and on and on. I, I, could, I could stand here for a week and, and talk about this. That story after story after story where the people of God were able to look back and recognize, oh, this happened to me, this happened to me, this happened to me. And it happened to me because God was giving me something. God was entrusting me with my pain and my joy and, and the details of my life so that I could serve him and help other people to relate to him. I have a unique story that's uniquely mine. Now, it's fascinating. God kind of speaks to this in a different way in the book of Ephesians chapter 2. And that's where I really want us to camp here, Ephesians chapter 2. So flip over in your Bibles to the book of Ephesians chapter 2. If you don't have a Bible, there's some there in the chairs. And the page number is up on the screen. And uh, if you use an electronic device, we use the version app. So you can open that up and look at it. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10. And this is what God says here. Let's look at this together. He says in verse 8, For it's by grace you've been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves. It's a gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. And then verse 10. For we are God's handiwork, ready, created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. The Bible is very, very clear that we receive our salvation by grace through faith. We don't earn it. It's gifted to us by God. And God looks at us. He loves us. He reaches out to us when we accept his offer of forgiveness, we have the salvation then that comes through Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. And when that happens in my life, my life is transformed and my mind is transformed. And one of the things that happens when my life is transformed is I start to look at the circumstances of my life differently. I look at my story and I would look and say, well, God saved me by grace and he gave me my story. He has created me in Christ and prepared me in advance to do good works. He has equipped me. He has readied me. He has taken me on a journey so that now, as someone who's a follower of Jesus Christ, I can uniquely serve him and I can uniquely communicate who Christ is, and what he has done in my life. God gives us our salvation, and then he redeems all of our life's journey, and he, he weaves it all together, giving us this story that's uniquely ours, so that we can in turn point people to the very salvation that we were gifted. See, God does all of this. He, he sees us, he saves us, he redeems us, he has taken us on a life journey. He created us in our mother's womb. He makes our personalities. He decides what families we're going to be attached to. He gives us spiritual gifts. He 
writes a story for us and with us so that we can use it to bring glory to him and to help other people know him in a unique way. And this is God's plan all along, right? This is what he says in verse 10. We, were, uh, we are uh, created to do good works by Christ, which God prepared in advance for us to do. My life is not an accident. My story is not an accident. The joy of my life, the success of my life, the pain of my life is not an accident. It's a tool. It's a gift. It's an opportunity given to me by God. So through this series, what we're asking is kind of this. What, what is your life-changed win story? When you look back and say, it's at this moment that I encountered Jesus in a powerful way. Maybe it was for salvation. Maybe it's another time of life, even after you accepted Christ, that you can look back and say, this, this moment in my life was a pivotal moment. Literally, my life changed when God allowed or God wrote or God provided this part of my life's journey. And when we look back at our life changed when story, you can look and say, wow, that's something that's unique to me. God gave me that moment. God, God interacted with me in this special way right here. And I want to tell that. I want to tell of God's love. I want to tell maybe of God's power. I want to tell of God's salvation because that's something that God has entrusted me with and has given me a unique opportunity to help other people know him in a special way. I just, to try to explain this a little bit, I just want to tell you a few of my life changed when stories, okay? So uh, I grew up in a, a very religious home, a very religious uh, church. I have a strong background in religion, right? So we went to church three or four times a week. I went to a Christian school. I memorized the Bible for credit every week because we had to take tests on it. I knew the Christian subculture. I knew how to function in it. I knew how to keep the rules. I did not know what it meant to love, follow, and be defined by God. I just knew how to practice religion. Okay, ready? My life changed when I was a junior in college. And I was sitting in a soccer field one night. I had talked with a bunch of my friends who were also college students. I saw the authenticity and the passion of their relationship with Christ and recognized that I didn't have it. And I went after a Bible study with them. I went into a soccer field and I started praying to God. And I realized that I was either going to have to follow God with all of my heart or abandon everything that I had ever been raised in. Because when it comes to Jesus, it's either true or it's false. And in that moment in my life, I realized I did not want to walk away from God. I wanted to believe. I wanted to have faith. And I knew that that meant that I would need to yield all of my life to Christ. And my life changed when God interacted with me in a soccer field in a powerful way. And my life has never been the same since. And I'm so grateful God loved me enough to do that. Another time that my life changed was uh, years later after Heidi and I were married and our first son, Josiah, was born. My life changed when my first son was born. And I remember watching Heidi give birth to Josiah and I remember looking at him with my own eyes for the first time 
and all of that parental instinct and love just exploded in me. And all of you who are parents kind of know what I mean. It just exploded in me. And my love for my son was something I had never experienced before. And it was an absolute life changer. My life changed when he was born and I began to realize that God loved his son more perfectly than I love mine and allowed his son to come, live, suffer, and die for me. The realization of the depth of God's love absolutely changed my life. I'd never understood the love of a father before. Because I'll be, I'll be honest with you, I love my children, right? I, I love you guys, but I love my children. So if, if you were in a burning house and they were in a burning house, I would run into that burning house. I'd get my kid. I, I'd just be honest with you. I'll miss you. I love you. I'll miss you. <laughs> but I'm going to get my kids because it's an instinct. I can hardly stop myself, right, from loving my child that way. The realization that God stopped himself, that Jesus' his son was on the cross, he could have stopped it, he could have made it all go away, but God loved me so much that he gave his only son to die for me. My life changed when my first child was born and all that realization hit me. My life changed when my parents died. Uh, Heidi and I, we talk about the, the decade of death in our marriage. And in a seven or eight year period, we lost her mother to cancer. My father and mother both died a year apart. My mom and dad lived with Heidi and I for almost 10 years before they died. So it was this, this tremendous loss to myself and my my children and Heidi, right? My life changed when they died. To that point in my life and even since, I have never gone through that level of emotional pain, ever. It was absolutely gut-wrenching. And it devastated me and Heidi and it devastated our children who only knew life with their grandparents in their home with them. My life changed when they died, right? My life changed when uh, I succeeded Pastor Bob Combs as a senior pastor of Grace Church. That was a wonderful thing. It, it's one of the greatest privileges of my life. My life changed when that happened. When God put that call on my life, when God helped me, when God empowered me, when God, right? My life changed when that dream came true. So the question is, what is, what is your life changed when story, right? God has given each of us a life changed when story. And these stories are sometimes painful. Uh, sometimes they're joyful, right? It's a, it's a dream coming true. It's a child being born. Sometimes it's even in the mundane. My life changed when I got a new job. My life changed when, you know, this happened. It, it doesn't have to be sensational, but it's yours. And God has given it to you, and he did it, he gave it to you for you to be able to tell other people about Christ and his love. He prepared that in advance, right? Ephesians 2.10, in advance for you to do 
so that you can do the work that you were created and you were saved by grace to do and have been called to do. God does that. He takes all that pain, all of our joy, all of our life's moments, and he gives them to us, and then we, in turn, utilize them to help other people know God's love and to lead them to a relationship with him. And when you start thinking about your life story, this is how it works, right? I can, I can uniquely relate to a person who grew up in religion but never loved Christ. I can uniquely relate to that because that's my story. I understand those of us who, who do that, right? I, I can uniquely relate to a parent, the joy of parenting and the pain of parenting. And those of us who have lost a child or those of us who have a child that's walked away from the Lord, I can't, because God gifted me with children, I have a unique sympathy, a unique connection to parents, right? Um, I have a, a unique compassion for people who have lost their parents. Uh, Heidi and I realize that one of the reasons God gifted us with that pain is so that we can help other people go through it because it's incredibly painful and it's life-changing and it's confusing. God gave me that so I can use it to bring glory to him. Uh, I, can, I can uniquely interact with a young leader and I can assure them that you should be patient, that you should be humble, that you should learn, that you should receive mentorship, right? Because I, I was Pastor Bob's associate pastor for 15 years until my hope and my goal and my dream came true, right? So whether it's positive or negative, God uniquely took you on that journey prepared you in advance to uniquely serve him, knowing that you have received Christ as a savior by grace through faith, you've been saved, called out, and then uniquely equipped, uniquely entrusted, and uh, uniquely made ready to do the work that God has prepared for you to do. God's given you a story. Right? It's given every one of us a story. Every single person in this room has been given a story. And he's given us a story, and that story is mine. It's unique to me. Only you live your life. God gave it to you. And that story is full of joy and pain and achievement and disappointment. And that story is meant for your good and for the good of the advancement of the kingdom of God. Your pain is never pointless. Your joy is never pointless. The mundane of life is never pointless. God is writing a script and he's giving you something that you can use uh, for, for his kingdom and to bring him glory and attention. So our story is meant to be shared, right? It's a gift, it's a tool that helps us be the ambassador that Christ says every Christian is to be. And so as we started thinking about the My Life Changed When series, uh, we thought, wouldn't it be fun if all of Grace Church started telling those stories? If we told the My Life Changed When story and we utilize, kind of collectively, we utilize what God has given us and we utilize it to build the kingdom of God and to advance 
the message of Jesus Christ. So that's really what we're gonna be doing over this series, and I think it's gonna be a blast, and it's gonna be so much fun to celebrate together our stories and to watch God bring this enormous return because of them. It's pretty powerful stuff, isn't it? And I think uh, as we start talking about the reality of our story and, and start to look at what God has done in our lives, I think it stirs up all kinds of stuff in us. Because you know, you've lived your life, you know? And I think for some of us, you, you just think, man, my life's kind of normal. I don't know, what, what is my life change when story? I don't have this big, gigantic moment that I can point to and say, man, God invaded my life and blew it all apart. But when you, we take a step back and we pause and we look at the, the trajectory of our lives, if you're in that place where you think, I don't, I don't know if I really even have much of a story to tell, I think you would be blown away as you step back and look at where God has taken you and the trajectory of your life and the faithfulness that God has had, how he's provided for you and loved you and forgiven you. I think, once again, we're refreshed by that and blown away by it. We can actually look back and say, man, my life has changed and I do have a story to tell, and I think God could use that. I think there's a very real, um, a real reality that a lot of us are saying, I, I have a story and I know it. I know my pain. I, maybe, I know my shame. And the thought of returning to events in our lives when our life really changed, maybe, it might even be overwhelming. And here's the thing, guys. We can't just leave all of that stuff in the past. We can't just act as if this all didn't happen. Why? Because God wants to use that. And there's a reality that, that for each of us, God has created us, he's wired us, and, and there's these moments when it's like God just reached into our lives and, and touched us and everything changed. And even as I'm saying that, some of you can think, Man, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. It's when this happened or that happened, and, and this was the fork in the road moment, or maybe the fork in the road season when there was a flurry of things that God was doing in my heart and in my life. I took this class uh, for, uh, for my master's degree a couple years ago where uh, this professor made us work on this. I thought it was kind of weird at first, but as I started to dig into it and look at my life story, I thought, and this is absolutely amazing. When I look at the family that I was born into, right, and, and that I was a child of divorce and I've had multiple divorces play out, that, that affected me, right? I'm different because of that. I have a message because of that. But when I look at how I came to know Jesus, I, there's a message that comes out of that. My life changed because of how I came to know Christ, you know? My story and my, my marriage and us struggling to have kids, there's a story there. My life changed in those moments. But it, it was taking the step back and kind of looking at my life objectively, getting a little distance from it, getting my head around it, that made me say, God, you have really worked in my life in a powerful way. And, you, and we walk away blown away by it again. Because I think that's one of the big benefits of what's going to happen in this series. 
If we step back and maybe we're talking to a friend or a family member and saying, what do you see in my life? Can, can you see moments where my life changed? Or maybe it's sitting down and kind of journaling out my story and writing it down. However you process it. But being able to go back, and kind of this is, I think, step one of maybe a, an easy set of steps here that we can tell our story. I want to look for this defining moments in my life. And maybe it's one or maybe it's three or four. And I want to capture those moments and really start to get a hold of it. I think that's the first thing that's going to happen in this series. Man, it's me getting a hold of my story. And the next thing I think is going to happen is, is that we grab the wonder of our story. We don't just stop there. We don't hoard it. But we take that story, and then we have the courage to release it and give it to the world around us. Because it, it takes courage to go public with my faith. Not just to say I go to church and not just to say, yeah, yeah, I'm kind of a Christian, but, but to grab the moment and to communicate it and to let God begin to use that, that takes some courage. And I think something fundamental happens in us when we go public with our faith. When I take the step of saying, boom, here, here it is, right? The, here's the good, the bad, and the ugly. Here's my story. I'm not arrogant about it. I'm also not ashamed of it. Here's my love for Jesus, and here's my sin, and here's my pain, and here's the thing that I messed up. This is my life, and here's how it changed. There's a threshold that's crossed. It's a point of no return. I'm going public. And I think our faith and our love for Jesus is galvanized when we communicate that in a powerful way. Some stuff happens in us, and I think it's good. And I think when we communicate that, the world around us begins to be intrigued by our stories. It's one of the reasons that God's given them to us. So we want to do this. We want to see the wonder of this work come alive in us, and then we want to communicate it to the people around us. So I'm going to give you guys here five easy steps to, to communicate your story, to tell your story or share it. You want to probably jot these down real quick. Here's step one. A lot of what we've been talking about here is the first one. Think of a defining moment. Kind of look for the my life changed when moment is step one. Grab a hold of that. And then in our, our day, our kind of our culture of social media, we, we are, we're going to go public in all the social media kind of venues that we would normally navigate and run in. So if you're a person that uses social media, this is going to make a lot of sense. If you don't, there's a ton of different ways to communicate your story, but think of it in this venue. Step two is shoot a video or write it down. Look at your webcam or your smartphone and communicate your My Life Changed When story. Go public with it. If you're, if you're a writer and you want to process it in writing, do that. If you're okay, kind of comfortable, go into a camera and saying your story. Do it that way. Step three, be brief. Be brief. So as you're capturing this video, via video or via writing, here's the, here's the number to keep in your mind. 90 seconds. 90 seconds. Super short. You're thinking, how am I going to communicate my whole life story in 90 seconds? You're not. You're just grabbing a moment and you're, you're capturing it. Think, what would you want to sit down as you're scanning through Facebook or Twitter, and what video would you watch for 90 seconds? Right? 
You're not going to watch a 20-minute. You're going to capture a snapshot and be intrigued by that. Here's step four, upload and post. So go public with it. Get it out there. Step five, use this hashtag, my life changed when. And what we're going to be able to do is all of the campuses of Grace Church are going to be using this hashtag. We'll be able to sort these life change when stories and be able to hear kind of the wonder of all that God has done and is doing in our lives. I mean, it's going to be amazing to watch this stuff. And they've already started to come out. And over the course of this series, if, if you need some more time to get your head around it, we put together a website. I actually brought my program up here to show you guys. Here's the website. Get a little more information about how to craft and build these stories. You'll see some more examples of the stories and what they could look like, a, a format that might work for you. If you're ready to do this, you can leave today and post it and, and get it out there. Go public with it. If you want to get your head around it, feel free. But we're going to be unpacking this over the course of the series. And we're going to say, here's the kind of life change when stories that, that we might have. Look at some examples here from some folks at Grace Church. Can you imagine what would happen if the people of Grace Church communicated these stories. Imagine the curiosity that would be raised. You, you think what's fun is when we go public with our story, our friends and family, they will watch them. That's the thing. It, it, if your friend said, hey, my life changed, here's a 90-second video, you'd watch it. And you imagine the glory that would be given to God as we communicate what he has done and is doing in our lives, I think it's going to be amazing to watch the impact of the gospel as we spread these stories all throughout the area. Okay, I want to own my story. I want to go public. I want to recognize that some of us are here in the room and we're saying, man, this is a, a, a huge conversation. It's overwhelming. I don't even know if I have a my life changed when story. And I just came to church and maybe have been here the first handful of times. You might not know Jesus yet. Guys, let me just uh, dig into that for a minute. There is nothing that we would love more as a staff than to have a conversation with you about your life changing. If you don't know yet, if you have a, a my life change when story, if you can't look back and say, yeah, Jesus came into my life kind of here, we would love to talk with you about that please write that down in the connection card. Say, I, I need help kind of get a hold, getting a hold of my story and we'll contact you, we'll follow up, we'll sit down, answer your questions and have a conversation about it. Take the step. No matter what, guys, I think this is going to be a ton of fun. It's going to be amazing to see what God does both in us and through us to work this series through. I'm going to pray for us to have some courage and also to see God work. Why don't I have the band come out, and we'll close up. Father, I want to say thank you. Lord, you're the creator of our individual stories. Lord, you're the one that has given us our passions, our personalities. You set us in the families, Lord, that we have been raised in. And Lord, e even the pain you use and God, I pray that you would give us the courage to face our story, to own it personally. 
Lord, I pray that you would help us to be amazed at your love and your intentionality, how you've worked in us. God, it's amazing. And Lord, help us to be courageous and not just hoard our stories for ourselves. But Lord, to go public, to communicate what you've done with friends and with family and with our networks that we're connected to. Lord, that people might be drawn to you, Jesus, and that your name would be made famous. You are the one that changes lives. So Lord, we say thank you for your work in us and ask that you would lead through this whole series, through all of Grace Church. We love you, Jesus. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.